Amen, amen. We are excited to be here, amen, at Hepzibah Baptist Church, our family, greeting you all in the strong, mighty name of Jesus Christ. Listen, it's a lot to talk about, a lot to discuss, a lot of thank yous, but I just want to thank you all the way from the great city of Baltimore, uh, not only for your hearts and your hands, uh, but your spirit, amen. Some people uh, can have hearts and hands, but it's the spirit behind it. And one thing about Hepzibah Baptist Church is your spirit, the spirit of Christ that is dwelling on the inside of you. Uh, Pastor Aaron, brother, I love you, man. I, I appreciate your heart. Can we give Pastor a hand clap of praise unto the Lord? A man after God's own heart, Sister Melanie, entire family. Um, I'm looking for Sister Sydney. I don't see her anywhere. Is she in, is she in the place? She, oh, no. She, she's sick. Amen. I call it the jiggers, the jiggers. She got the jiggers. Amen. But I, I, I'm doing well, but um, I, I want to say that my wife, I, I'm a little, little saddened. Amen. I was tossing and turning uh, the last two nights because my wife wasn't in the bed with me. And uh, for those of you who are married, knows how that feels when your spouse are not beside you. But she wanted me to greet all of you and, and her love and, and her hugs and kisses. Uh, her mom's birthday is today. And uh, she decided to stay back home and celebrate with mom and, and do it big for her. Amen. So we greet you all from the great city of Baltimore. I also want to just pause and say thank you to Josh. Josh, uh, your missions director uh, for Baltimore, amen, for his leadership and his heart and his hands. I call him Brother No Problems. And the reason why is because when Josh is around, ain't going to be no problems. He's going to keep the peace, and I thank God uh, for that. Amen. And uh, you got street cred in Baltimore. I I'm going to tell you that, Josh. You got... You got street cred in Baltimore. Um, but to everybody, Pastor Nate, Pastor John, everybody, the entire leadership, uh, we want to thank God for you. I also want to just thank uh, CLC leadership, our missions director, Brother Terry Frierson, amen, who is doing a wonderful job. And actually, we are thriving to mimic what you all have done unto us back unto the world, amen. So you all have come and served us, and you have uh, has trained us and equipped us, uh, not in a classroom, but on the field. And, and, and sometimes that's the best teaching that someone can do is doing, amen. So as you have done unto us, we have been challenged to do unto someone else. And so we're thankful for all of that. Pastor Zach and the, and we actually have two people. If you could just raise your hand. Uh, uh, Amen. You can raise your hand, Dion and Keisha, those two individuals who are new, amen, who are first time being on a trip with us, on a mission trip and serving. Um, and, and so we thank God because it encamps uh, and, and engulfs the body of Christ to get on fire for Jesus. And so I'm excited. Listen, there is a word. I got about 15 minutes uh, to get it out, and I want to do so with the obedience uh, unto Christ. Uh, if you have your Bibles, can you turn to uh, the book of Numbers, the book of Numbers, the book of Numbers, the book of Numbers, Old Testament, the book of Numbers. Uh, and back at CLC, uh, we have a custom, a tradition, amen, that we like to stand when we read God's word. If we can stand all over the house, I would greatly appreciate it. Uh, I just want to thank all of you uh, for this opportunity uh, to not only spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, but to preach on this hour and this day. We're going to Numbers chapter number 13. Numbers chapter number 13 on today. Numbers chapter number 13. A lot of verses, amen, but we're going to do our best to uh, breeze through it. Um, when you have it, somebody say in Jesus' name. <laughs> amen, amen. The Lord spoke to Moses, send men to the scout out the land of Canaan I'm giving to the Israelites and send one man 
who's a leader among them from each of their tribes. Somebody say each of their tribes. Let's jump down to verse number 17. When Moses sent them to scout out the land of Canaan, he told them to go up this way uh, to Negev and go up into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. Is the land they live in good or bad? And are the cities they live in encampments or fortifications? Is this land fertile or is it unproductive? Are these trees in it or not? Be courageous. Somebody say, be courageous. Bring back some fruit from the land. It was the season. Somebody say the season. For the first ripe grapes. So they went up to scout out the land and from the wilderness of Zin, as far as Rehoboth near the entrance. I want to go on down to, to, to verse number uh, 26. And then the men went back to Moses, Aaron, and the entire Israelite community in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh, and they brought back a report from them to the whole community, and they showed them the fruit of the land. They reported to Moses, we went into the land where you sent us. Indeed, it is flowing with milk and honey, and here is some of its fruit. However, the people living in the land were strong, and the cities are large and fortified. We also saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites are living in the land of Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live by the sea along the Jordan. Verse number 30. Then Caleb quieted the people in the presence of Moses and said, We must go up and take possession of the land because we can certainly conquer it. Somebody say, we can certainly conquer it. But the men who had gone up with him responded, we can't go up against the people because they are stronger than we are. So they gave a negative report to the Israelites about the land they scouted. And the land we passed through explores one of those that devours its inhabitants. And all the people we saw in it are men of great size. And we even saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak came from Nephilim to ourselves. Somebody say to ourselves. We seem like grasshoppers and we must have seen the same to him. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your grace and for your mercy and for your love that endureth for forever. Lord, I ask that you open up ears that the people of God will hear of you. Open up eyes that they will see of you. Soften hearts thanking you in advance that the word will not return void. Lord, we love you, we bless you, and we honor you. We ask that you save in this place, that the people of God will walk out of here never ever the same. Lord, we lift you and we bless you for the victory in advance. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. While the Lord so leads and guides, I would like to simply preach. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, John. While the Lord so leads and guides, I would like to simply preach and teach from the subject, perceive the promise God's way. Perceive the promise God's way. Can I just pause and, and, and begin off by saying that perception can be the greatest doubt of a promise? Can I just pause and let you know that in this life, uh, we grow and even as a child, our perception grows to the understanding and interpret what we believe to be what reality is. Perception can even have you understanding what truth is or give you a false ideology of what the possibility of what it could be. One of the things I want you to realize is that as you become a stronger believer of Jesus Christ, 
You are learning what the promises of God is for your life, over your life, and also in your life. But one of the greatest things that the enemy attempts to utilize is to confuse the perception of what you know to be true of the promises of God. Well, what are some of the promises of God? Yea, uh, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I, I will be with you. And, and, and even in the great commission of Matthew chapter number 28, he ends it by saying, lo, I'll be with you even to the end of the age. And, and even when you are going through the ups and downs of life, the promises of God has to be perceived from the perception of God's view. One of the, the worst things you can do is, is to know the promises of God, but to see it your way. You can even understand that even when you're going through and you're feeling isolated, you're, you're, you're feeling negative, you're feeling down, but you're not feeling like that the Lord will be with you even to the end of the age. You have to see that scripture from the perception and from the promises of God so you can have the understanding that he is with you. I, I, I want to jump right in uh, uh, in the book of Numbers, and, and for some of you who may not know, this is dealing with the children of Israel, the, the children of Israel, and the children of Israel. Israel was, was in a, a bondage, and because they were in bondage, they were there for many, many, many years. We, we, we realized this, that they were under the leadership of Pharaoh. Somebody say Pharaoh. Now, this, this word Pharaoh doesn't mean that that is his name, but it is rather the title or the position of one. Just like you have uh, the governor or the mayor of, of Wendell, the mayor is not his name, but it is rather his title. And so there is this Pharaoh that is there, and the children of Israel are there. And God tells Moses to go and tell his uh, Pharaoh to let his people go. And so we see this happening in the book of Exodus, which is simply meaning the book of exiting out of bondage. And so now they're there, and after he tells them, he, he shows them all of these promises, and, and he provides for them while they're going through this wilderness time. We see that he, he rains down manna. We, we see that he, he pardons the Red Sea. We, we see that he provides water out of a rock. And, and, and we see all of this going on. And now that they are finally going to the promised land, they are closer than they ever been before. Just like you on this morning, you are closer to God than you have ever been before. You are closer to the promises of God closer than you ever been before because as you are sanctified in God, through God, by God, he is drawing nigh unto you and you are drawing nigh unto him. And so now the children of Israel are right on the outskirts of the promise. Have you ever been to a point in your life that you've gone through so much ups and downs. You have doubted the hand of God, but God has provided for you. And you're feeling like you're right at the, the gate of what God has for you. But, but God wants you to know that while you are right next to whatever promise that you are believing him for, you have to perceive it from not only his way, but from his vantage point. Numbers chapter number 13, he says that he tells Moses to select one 
one ancestral tribe from each leader from each tribe. This is the 12 tribes of Israel. So 12 people go to this promised land to, to review it and to see. But look at what it says in verse number 17. He says this. He says that when Moses sent them to scout out the land of Canaan, he told them to go up this way. In other words, when you are attempting to go and to receive what God has for you, you have to do it God's way. Somebody say God's way. Now, they could have easily said, well, God, I don't, I don't need you anymore. I, 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 I'm right here. I, I can see it just like some of us who are believers, when we are down and out and when our families are disarray and when we don't know what our bodies are inside of, of what our health is concerning, we, we are crying out to God. We are relying on the power of God. We are relying on the promises of God. But as we get closer to the promise of God and our, our healing comes out, our, our jobs are secured, our, our families are mended, our minds are renewed, uh, sometimes church attendance goes down a little bit, Pastor Aaron. So sometimes our, our, our prayer time starts to go down a little bit. Sometimes our worship starts to dwindle. Hands start to go down. And be why? Because you're getting closer to the promise of God. Can I just encourage you to know that we must mature beyond the desire for us to receive the promise of God. And then as we get the promise of God, our worship starts to go down, our, our study starts to go down, our, our prayer starts to go down, and, and we don't need God anymore. But he says, I want you to go this way because this is the way God has told us to go. And I don't know who I'm speaking to on this morning. You are on the outskirts of the promises of God. You can see it very clearly. You can see the promotion within your vantage point. You can see the victory inside of your finance. You can see the victory inside of your family. You can see the victory inside of your ministry. But God says the same God that got you there is the same God that's going to keep you there and to walk you in the promises of God. He told the children of Israel all throughout the book of Deuteronomy, do not forget, do not forget, do not forget, and that is the message this morning, that God has rung you such a mighty long way, and you are closer than you ever been before. You are that in the bag of chips with the seasoning, and you're right there at the tip of your promise, but do not forget who led you there. And so now he's telling them, he says, I want you to, to go, and I want you to look at it from this perspective, he, he gives them seven questions to look for. He says when he goes there, he says, I want you to see in verse number 18 to see what the land is like. He says, not only do I want you to see what the land is like, he says, number two, I want you to see are the people strong or weak. He says, not only do I want you to see are the people strong and weak, but I want you to see is the land they live in in good or bad. He, he says, fourthly, not only do I want you to see if the land is, is good or bad, but I want you to see are they encampments or are they fortified. I, I also want you to see are they fertile or are they unproductive or are there trees in it or not. He, he gives them almost seven things to look for to determine if it's God's promise from his way. Can I just encourage you to know that as you are growing closer to the promises of God, you have to listen out for the objectives that God gives you to determine the quality of the promise, to determine if it's coming from the hand of God. See, sometimes we go and we look at things 
and we say, yeah, look good to me. This, this job looks perfectly good to me. It's five minutes down the road. It, it fits the glove just right. Uh, 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 my, my, my husband thinks I should do it. My wife thinks I should do it. Oh, I think I should go over here. I think I should pick this up. I think I should let this go. We, we start to look at the promise of God from our perspective. The worst thing you can do is to start to reason with the promises of God with your little bitty mind and my little bitty mind. Why? Because his thoughts are not your thoughts. His ways are not your ways. And so, yes, you are guided there. Yes, you are you led there. But, but guess what? He says, when you go there, I need for you to analyze it my way. I need for you to determine uh, what, what I think is the standard of what you should do. I, I think you should listen to me, incline your ear unto me, and listen to what I'm asking you to look for so you can get the confirmation from me, so you can get the validation from me, so you can get the, the affirmation of me that you are right where you're supposed to be by the authority and the power of God's resurrection of the Holy Spirit that's indwelling on the inside of you. He gives them seven things to look for. So as you are growing closer to God and you are perceiving the promise God's way, you have to listen for the things of God while there. Listen for the things of God while there. He gives them seven things. After he gives them these seven things, he tells them to be encouraged. Be courageous. Why does he tell them that? Be, tell them that is because you have to be courageous to listen to God when promises are right there. See, see, it takes your flesh to die to want to wanna do something in your own ability rather than yielding to the authority of God. And let's say I'm going to go and look at it from God's way. I'm not going to internalize it my way, but I'm going to rely on the promises of God. He says, be, be courageous. Be, 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 be courageous. It, it takes courage to obey God. It takes a courageous spirit for you to yield to the authority of God. It takes a courageous spirit for your flesh to die and, and realize that you got people around you that are analyzing what they think you should do, how you think you should do, the way you should think, oh yes you should, or no you shouldn't. But you have to be courageous to void out all of the and say, I'm listening to the authority and the power of God. When, when we were dealing with uh, 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 praying for where God was going to plant Christian Liberty Church, uh, we, we knew the promise of God was right in the heart of West Baltimore. And we, we, we looked at it and, and we had to determine it by what God said so, not the perception of not only others, but also the perception of our own. But, but, but look at what it says. He says, be courageous and bring back some fruit. Can I just encourage you to know that wherever God sends you and wherever there is a promise, there is evidence of fruit that already exists. I'm going to say that again. When God tells you to go and there is a promise, wherever he's leading you, there's fruit that's there that already exists. He says, I want you to go and I want you to bring back some fruit. He, 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 he says this in, in verse number in verse number uh, 20, he says, bring back some fruit from the land. And, 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 and the reason why is because in this, there's the evidence of the promise. Write that down. There's, there's the evidence of the promise that the promise does exist. Is there anybody that God allows you to 
just sample something before. You, you, you didn't get the full thing yet, but, but, but you're sampling it. You, 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 you can see the possibility of what it is. And, and, and sometimes it's not just for the people that you have to bring back the fruit to. Because remember, the whole nation is back there on the outskirts of the promise. And they're bringing back fruit. And, and the text really doesn't go into details on why. But they said, bring back some fruit. And so they kept it for almost 40 days, the text says. And they brought the fruit back. But I also believe that that fruit is there to encourage those who see it. But here's the thing I want you to realize. The text says because it was its season. Let me explain something to you. When you are perceiving the promise God's way, you have to know what season you are in. It says it is bring back the fruit because it is the season. The worst thing you can do is desire the right thing at the wrong time. I'm going to say that again. The worst thing you can do is desire the right thing at the wrong time. You have to know the season and the reason why that it was fruit there because it was the season for the fruit. In other words, no matter how good it looks, no matter how much you think you can do, no matter how much you can toil the land, if it's not the season that is there, no fruit will produce. And who can control seasons? Not me. Not you. What? Only God. He says, not only uh, do I want you to, to bring back the evidence of this promise, he says, but uh, so they went up, I'm in verse number 21, and scouted the land from the wilderness. Can I just encourage you to know that sometimes your vantage point to look at promises may start in a wilderness place. There, there, there are some of you who are feeling like, well, well, well what, what are you talking about? I, 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 I'm looking at a, at a promise, but I'm in a dry place. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at a promise, but I'm in an isolation place. I'm, I'm looking at a promise, but, but, but there's an uncomfortable place. They're, they're at the closest they've ever been, but they're looking at it from a wilderness place. Can I encourage you to not be discouraged if your vantage point is in a wilderness place? I, I want you to know that Jesus himself was looking at some things from, from, from a wilderness perspective. The gospel, according to Luke, he, he, he was, in Matthew, he was led into the wilderness by the Spirit of the Lord. It wasn't the enemy, but it was the Spirit of the Lord that led him there. And so there is a, a, a blessedness of being in a wilderness. It's not just for you, but it's also to position you to look at the promises of God God's way. He says, not only is it in this wilderness, he says, but, they, but, but in verse number 27, when they branched with a single cluster of grapes, they carried it on a pole by two men, and they took some pomegranates and some figs and placed it. And look, they kept it there in verse 25. At the end of 40 days, they returned from scouting the land. So here it is. So now they're, they're, they're closer than they've ever been. They're on the outskirts of this promise. They're there for 40 days. They bring back some fruit. They're standing there. They're looking at it from a wilderness perspective. And now they come back, and here comes the report. They went back to Moses, and they reported back to Moses. I'm in verse number 27. We went into the land where you sent us, and indeed it is flowing with milk and honey. And there is some fruit, however. See, you have to be very careful with those howevers. Yes, God is good, but however, 
Yes, God has provided for me, yeah, but however. Yes, I love God, but however. Yes, the preacher's preaching biblically, but however. Whatever your however is, you have to be very careful with the however in your life because it can cause a complaining and a denial of the promise and the power that's right before you. And he says, however, the people are living in the land are strong and the cities are large and fortified. We also saw the descendants of Anak there. And they're living in the land of Negev. But listen, he told them, let me, let me reverse this, reverse this. Beep, beep, beep. Remember, there were seven things to look for. See, see, sometimes when we go into the promise, we're so excited. Ah, God has been good. He's blessed us with all of this. He's done this. He's blessed us. He's kept this. He's guided this. And we get into the promise, and we forgot what we were supposed to be observing when we get there. You, you were sent on your job to be a witness, and we just, hooray, hooray, we're more excited about the bonuses and the, the pensions that come with it. But you're there on an assignment. Every time that you are going to a promise, there's an assignment that's attached to the promise, not for you just to reap what the promise has. He says, he gives them seven things to look for. They come back and only analyze three. And out of the three, two of them are only good. Yes, indeed, it's flowing with milk and honey, and it's some fruit. But however, see, we, we, they went more to the negative than they did to the positive. See, if you're not, pre, if you're not following the perception of God's way, of this promise, you will start to analyze it from your perspective. So what ends up happening? Out of the 12, 10 of them complain, two of them believe. Let's look at what happened. And it says, so, uh, but the men who had gone up with them, and I'm in verse, uh, uh, I'm in verse number 30. Then Caleb quieted the people. He quieted the people. We need some Caleb's in our lives. We, we need some people that's going to rise up and say, quiet down. W what did God tell us? What did God tell you? Qu qu quiet down. Qu qu quiet it down. And, and, and if you look around and there's no Caleb's in your circle of your influence, of your friends, and of your, of your family, you need to pray to God to raise up some Caleb's in your life. He says he quieted down the people in the presence of Moses. In other words, he says, Moses, I don't even want you to contend with this. Fall back. Let, 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 let me rise up and say, quiet the people down. He says this. He says, but we must go up and take possession of the land because we can certainly conquer it. Do you have a certainly conquer it mentality? Do, do you have a, a belief that you can, you can do it? When we, when we planted, the Lord planted West Baltimore Christian Liberty Church in West Baltimore, we didn't know where we were going. We didn't know what 
where the location was going to be. We didn't, we didn't know how we were going to raise the funds, but we believe that God, can con- we can certainly conquer it. We can certainly do it. Do, do you have a conquering mentality? When we didn't have a, a building and we, we, we were going to close in, 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 in four days and didn't have no money, we had a, a certain conquering that we can certainly do it because I wasn't looking at what the finances said, but I was looking at the things that God had looked and outlined on why he was sending us to the problem. Because if you don't keep that in the focal point of your life, you will start to lean to your own understanding and say, man, I don't think this is possible. Man, I don't think we can obtain it. Because you start to look at yourself as inadequate and that you can't. But can I explain something to you that God can do in Ephesians 3.20 on the inside of you and concerning that promise that he can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or think. He says this in Numbers chapter 13. He says, not only did he send the 12 spies, he says, but not only have I, have I done this, and not only have I quieted the people, but the people who have gone up responded, we can't go up against the people because they are stronger than we are. There goes that comparison. The worst thing you can do while you are perceiving God's promise is start to compare yourself with other people. Oh, her hair is longer than mine. He's stronger than me. I, I, I don't know if I can obtain that. that. That person has more education, so they're more qualified for that position. Whatever your promise is, you don't compare yourself to what God has for you. If God be for you, who can be against you? And so the children of Israel started to compare themselves. And, and the text goes on to say that he said that to ourselves, we seem like grasshoppers. See, see, do, do you see the perception gone wrong? Did, did, did God ask you that, that, that to compare what you think you can and cannot do? And so here's what it is. Whatever the perception of you will be will also be of others. He says, we must have seemed like grasshoppers uh, to them because they said that to themselves. Don't compare yourself with what others are doing and what others are not doing when you are dealing with the promises of God. He says, to ourselves, we seem like grasshoppers. We must have seen the same to him. I'm going to keep going because there's a lot to cover. If if you keep reading in, in chapter number 14, he says in verse number two, all the Israelites complained. You have to be very careful with a complaining spirit while looking at the promise of God. What do you do? What does that mean? That means you can become ungrateful. You, you, you can become a, have a presumptuous spirit, a, a presumptuous heart, that God is right there in the midst of you. The promises are right there, but we are complaining. What are they complaining about? Well, we could have stayed where we were. But God has so much more in store for you. Staying where you are is not going to produce the fruit that God has for you. He says, but not only this, he says they complained about it to Moses and Aaron and the whole entire community. If we would only have died in the land of Egypt, we would have rather died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this place to die? Let me explain something to you. Where God's promises, there's life. Where God's promises, there is life. Your perception, because of how hard things may be, may seem like things are hard and things are of death. 
but things are of life. Chapter 14 goes on and say uh, that they wanted to get rid of Moses and Aaron and select a leader to take them back to where they come from. Let me explain something to you as I prepare to land this plane. The worst thing you can do is to select a person to take you further away from the promise of God. I don't care what that is. I don't care if it's this church. I don't care if it's reading your Bible. I don't care if it's your relationship with the Lord. I don't care. If it, and that's what we do as, as our flesh. We, we know who to call to take us back to the old man. And I don't know who this message is for, but you are closer to your promise than you have ever been before. God says don't pick up the phone and call anybody that's going to distract you and take you back to the place where you should have died. But if it wasn't for me and my hand upon you, you would have died. But I've led you a mighty long way. And you've seen all the promises that I have done. You've seen how I provided for you. You've seen how I've mended broken hearts. You've seen how I've healed. You've seen how I've delivered. And you closer than you ever have been before. Son, daughter, I need for you to perceive it from the perception of me. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for this time. We thank you for your grace and for your mercy and for your love that endureth forever. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for the hearts and for the minds of, of the people of God that are here on today. And Lord, I don't know what those promises may be that's before them, but you know. And Lord, I pray that they perceive it from your perspective. I pray that they realize that seeing the promise is not good enough. Knowing of the promise is not good enough. But perceiving it and analyzing and receiving it and believing it your way is just as important. And Lord Jesus, as we come to you, we trust you. We believe you. We thank you. And Lord Jesus, you, you came to die for our sins. The scriptures are very clear that if we have lied before, we have stolen before, any sin that has separated us from God, you, 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 you've given us the, the understanding that the wages of that is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And for that, we are thankful. And Lord, maybe there's one here today that they don't realize that the wages of sin is death. It's separated. But, but there's good news that you, you've died on the cross for us. The reason why we celebrate Jesus is because the Old Testament, they would have to sacrifice a lamb for the sins that they have committed. And even what Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden, of eating the forbidden fruit, we were born into sin. It's a separation. And so in order for us to go to God, Jesus had to be the mediator, the, the attorney, the lawyer, to mediate between us and God. Scripture says we have to go through Jesus, the Son, to get to God, the Father. And so maybe you're here today and you haven't accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. I'm not talking about coming to church. I'm not talking about serving in ministry, but you haven't made him Lord and Savior of your life. There's good news because 
He who knew no sin took on your sins. And he loves you just as you are. All the mistakes you have made, all of the things that nobody else knows about, God sees it and he knows it. And he loves you enough to look past your faults and to look after your soul needs on this hour. He wants to adopt you into his family. He wants to take you and the mess and the, and, and, and the sin and he, he, he wants to wash you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. The Bible declares that he chastens those he loves. Maybe you're unsure, God forbid, if you was to die tonight, where would your soul go? Say, Pastor, I don't know. Well, I want to give you some blessed assurance. According to Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says, but if thou shalt confess with thy mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Maybe you're here today while heads are bowed and eyes are still closed, and you want to accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. I want you to repeat this prayer after me if this is you. You need Christ to come into your heart on this morning and save you and forgive you of all your sins. I want you to say, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and I believe in my heart that, God, you raised him from the dead. Please forgive me of all my sins. Create me a clean heart. In Jesus' name. 